Today on Locked On Canadians, that game was great and you can't take that away from us. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 1005. It's crazy hearing that of Locked On Canadians. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if of your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matlove, Habs Eyes on the Prize. For those of you who have been asking in the comments where I am, I did not die, I did not get fired, I did not quit. I was literally just away for a couple of days, uh, but I'm back now, um, and I do thank Scott for holding down the fort, especially since while I was on a plane, a big trade happened, um, but we're just gonna we're, we're just gonna move right past that because that's been. But we're going to blow right past that. There's no time for me to get in my feelings because the Canadians played a game after a week. And it feels like two weeks off. Um, they played a dominant game. Honestly, truly, like, I can't believe how good they looked. I, I mean, I know, Scott, you spent yesterday's episode talking about the new lineup changes and what this what this team looks like. But first, how are you? I didn't even get to that. How are you doing today? Uh, well... For those who can't hear to my voice, I am still a little under the weather, but uh, we're trucking through here. We're going to talk about like the the layers to this game here uh, in <laughs> one of the other segments because uh, there's a lot in this that is good and bad. Uh, there's some ugly looking numbers in there, but the biggest thing that I'm taking out of this game is Nick Suzuki scored twice in under a minute. Michael Pozzetta scored a beautiful goal. And Uri Slavkovsky added two goals. Five goals on the night. Capital scored two. Uh, Samuel Montembeau was impressive. We will talk about him later on. But coming out of an all-star break with a lineup that was uh, saying piecemealed together is being slightly kind to this team because uh, it looked like a preseason lineup in this game. Uh, honestly, it could have gone worse. And looking at, you know, the fancy stats on natural stat trick, it probably should have gone worse. But I, I like a win coming out of the break, and it had key pieces contributing in all facets. And that's, I think, what is most important to me coming in this. A 5-2 win with multi-goal games from Suzuki and Slavkovsky every single day of the week. I will take that every single day of the week, whether they deserve to win the game or not. I will... I will happily start my Tuesday or end my Tuesday with that. Well, that's the thing, Scott. Like, and and I said you can't take that away from us because I know at this stage in the in the season we're we're looking for a tank. I know we don't want them to do well. I know we want them to increase their draft position. I know we shouldn't have hopes that they're going to be good this year. I know all of that. But once in a while, you just want a fun game, right? And you want. And I think the key thing here is that you want your top players to be your top players. And some nights you're going to have your top players be your only good players. And I think, you know, I think this is one of them. Like they just, they looked, they looked so good on the back of 
Nick Suzuki and uh, Uri Slavkovsky's performances. Like that's that's the big thing for me. And again, I cannot pronounce his name. I'm so sorry. I need a few a few days to get back into the swing <laughs> of things. Um, honestly, coming off of you know, we made we 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 didn't complain, but we had uh, a suggestion uh, for the NHL to have someone other than Nick Suzuki be the All Star this year to give the opportunity to somebody else because he does seem kind to be kind of the default choice from the Montreal Canadiens in the absence of you know a good team. Uh, and I I do think that you know I'm not sitting here eating my words or anything like that but like he kind of showed how he is this team's perennial all-star he just kind of sometimes he just takes control and that's it it feels like the more centers that you take out of the canadians lineup the more powerful nick suzuki becomes because both goals he scored tonight were scored with authority uh his cross seam one-timer from cole caulfield which also cole caulfield 10 game point streak now which we love that. We know he's a small goals boy, but 23 assists on the season. Also nothing to scoff at for him. Just scored with authority. And then right after that, it bounced off a poster skate in front of the net. Suzuki gets another one at almost no angle less than a minute later. I love that. I love that he played. He came out of that all-star break. And I don't know if it's, you know, getting some time to rela- relax while he's doing all this media stuff, uh, being harassed by uh, Jets bloggers who are terrible people, and just decided to take it out on the Capitals tonight. It was a really good performance offensively from him, and he's doing that with one other bona fide NHL center in the lineup, and that was Jake Evans, who wasn't even the second-line center in this game based on the Canadians' line chart. The fact that they scored five goals at all is impressive and that they did it with this lineup is also incredible. And Nick Suzuki is a big part of that. I would like to see Cole Caulfield in like the hardest shot or in the accuracy shooting competition because that's his wheelhouse. But man, if you send Suzuki to the all-star game and he comes back and starts doing stuff like this every time, just keep sending him every single year. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing is that, Nick Suzuki is always reliably good. Like, I remember he was criticized at the beginning of the season because he had, like, three games where he didn't register a point or something like that. It was something ridiculously low, but because we're so used to him being one of the only bright spots on this team, he got mercilessly criticized. And ever since then, he's just been dominant and dominating. And I think, you know, it's the age-old story with the Montreal Canadiens is that their center depth is weak. Like, it hasn't been good since the legendary teams, right? So. I think for now, at the very least, you can kind of rely on Nick Suzuki to be an elite player. And we'll see how Kirby Doc comes back from his injury next year. But the Canadians still have kind of a big hole at center. And I think the big thing with 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 Jake Evans, too, is that he's very reliable, but he his talent is a bottom six center talent. There's no nice uh, there's no nicer way to put that. Like he's not gonna be like he's not gonna be somebody that is part of your core necessarily. He's good now. They might keep him because he's good and they like him, but I just don't know that he's, you know, I feel like I feel like the Canadians need to really work on not just their top six center depth, but also their bottom six center depth. I agree. And I'm actually kind of looking at their total time on ice tonight. Nick Suzuki didn't play even 20 minutes tonight. Which is good because he's used to playing like a hundred minutes a night. Yeah, he played 18 minutes and 45 seconds, collected three points. 
Uh, Slavkovsky played 7-15, Caulfield 15-58. I assume part of that is uh, a lack of penalty-killing time in there for both those guys. Yoel Armia led the team with 19 and a half minutes of ice time, which is nuts. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but across there, uh, Evans, 15-52, Anderson, 15-16, Giniak, 15-54, or 54, Pearson, 13-46, Harvey Pernard, 12-11, Kandata, 10-34, Pizzetta, 10-8, uh, Jesse Olin in 9-53. Again, not the guy who should have the least ice time on the team, but that's another, that's a completely different story. Uh, on the defense, uh, Mike Matson played almost five more minutes than the next closest person, which, uh, is probably a problem <laughs> a little bit in there, but that's the man is tired. Yeah. The man is tired. I, uh, I, I don't want to like harp too much on things because it's nice to come back into a win. Uh, it wasn't pretty. And the good news is that the Canadians scored four out of their five goals at even strength. This was not their special teams pushing them over the edge where it's like, Oh, the caps pe- uh, penalty kill sucks or something like that. Who knows? I'm kind of glad to see that they scored a bunch of these goals at even strength because if they can get some offense generated there, even if they don't win, you're building on the next season that you can build a strong five on five team, which is what Martin St. Louis said. We want to be strong at five on five and then we can start building towards the special teams from there. And it's kind of hard to argue if you get a result like that, maybe not analytically, but across the board. It's five goals and four of them at even strength. Hard. It's hard for me to be upset after a game like this. Well, there's bad news, Scott, because I want you to be a little bit upset because we are going to talk about the adjustments and some of these decisions. Um, And we're also going to talk a little bit about Samuel Montembeau. We haven't praised him in, you know, maybe a minute or two. Uh, And that's all coming up next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The Super Bowl is this weekend. I can't believe how fast time flies. And if you're like me, the Super Bowl is all about snacks and being on the couch and just enjoying the day and placing bets. Like Super Bowl Sunday is like prime time for betting. And it it has some of the most fun bets too, like prop bets and stuff like that. And guess what? FanDuel is here as America's number one sports book to help you do that. There are so many ways for you to end the season with a win or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. I mean, the prop bets, the Super Bowl prop bets, my favorite things. And if you're a new customer, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Anas? All right, Scott, <laughs> you just mentioned Yessi Ulinen's ice time. I think, you know, as you said, it's hard to argue with the results that Martin San Louis got with making those adjustments. And it's also hard to kind of argue that right now, with people on the trading block and injuries and losing one of their most serviceable players, quite frankly, in all honesty, Sean Monahan, that there's not that much for him to work with. But I still feel like there's still a ways to go in terms of that decision making. I feel like there's some younger guys who could probably shoulder some more minutes um, and, you know, not 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 be exhausted. 
Yeah, uh, so I'm on natural stat trick here in the background kind of right now, and as I'm looking at uh, the on-ice report, which everything's done five-on-five in this, uh, not the prettiest-looking game, which anyone who watched this would be able to tell you that. This was a great first period by the Canadians. Everyone's in the positive numbers. Everyone's in the right area. Good things are happening. The vibes are good. And then at one point in the second period, like air out of a balloon, just and just kind of falling and wilting off to the side, sadly. Uh, and you refuse to throw it out because your kid doesn't want to. And it just drifts in the corner aimlessly for a little while. Uh, basically, the Capitals got their first goal and the game was still kind of in the Canadians' favor. And then it was just all Capitals the rest of the way. Uh, and that's the- something that we've seen the Canadians do. It's just this time they didn't cough up a lead. Yeah, if in the first in the first period the Canadians had four high danger chances allowed one, they didn't have another one for the rest of the game at five on five and gave up eleven. That's not good scoring chances. They had eight in the first period. They only had seven through the next two periods. Washington controlled almost eighty three percent of the shots at five on five in the second period, and the Habs okay. They got it back a little bit, but they're still kind of turtling a little bit in the third period in a more acceptable amount. It's not great, but it's understandable. I do not know what happened in that second period. Uh, The Canadians started this game incredibly with 92% expected goals for, then put up an 18.26 and a 24.7. So I look at this lineup. They won tonight. Because their top line cooked the way that it needed to, which is awesome. Like we said, great. Everything else was probably not ideal in this game. <laughs> uh, 38 shots against, and we'll talk about Samuel Montembeau in a minute here, but you got to avoid second periods like that because the Capitals, despite being a team with a generational goal scorer on it and some guys who usually chip in goals against the Habs, uh, are not teams are not high-end teams the stars are coming to town next this weekend the dallas stars are a very good team jason robertson uh rope hints miro heiskin and etc will make you pay in a way that washington cannot right now i'm not asking the canadians to be the 2012 or 2014 la kings and lock everything down but you want to see more defensive up uh uptick Maybe maybe close the door a little bit. You can't lock everything down, but maybe like push the door towards being closed. It's just learn to control the game if you're going to sit on a lead. And if you don't have the pieces to do that, just keep going. Don't sit on a lead. Exactly. Is that it's like the meme is like, why don't they just keep scoring goals? Are they stupid? Uh, It's a good question. Why don't they keep scoring goals? Are they stupid? (laughs) It's It's because they don't play their goal scores long enough. Well, they can't because Cole Caulfield can't play 35 minutes a night. Um, <laughs> you have such a young defense. We're seeing the forward pieces that are healthy taking that step forward right now. Good. One piece of the puzzle. You have a goaltender who is stepping up right now and playing well and young prospects in different spots playing well. Good. Defensively, they have to dial in what's going on in the defensive zone. A lot of these mistakes were because People weren't clearing the puck properly, going to the wrong way, not getting the right assignments, and Samuel Montembeau was bailing them out. And, and those are basic that. defense things. And you can fix that. 
and that is coachable. Arbor Jack guy was above water on possession. I'm pretty sure he was the only defender above uh, the high water mark on possession. Yeah, he was one of three total players, the other two being Cole Caulfield and Uri Slavkovsky, who are at break even. Little details matter. It's great you're scoring all these goals, but Samuel Montembo is not going to be 36 saves locked in every night kind of thing. The Capitals aren't going to miss empty nets or shoot a puck off of David Savard's ass every night. You have to you have to get yourself, you have to, you know, get your shop in order there to reach that next level, especially with such a young defensive group. And I think um, we're going to explore the defensive group a little bit more in the coming weeks because there's been a couple of intriguing questions that have come up. Um, and one of them is, is Caden Gooley as good as we think he is? So I do want to explore that. But what I really want to explore right now um, is how good Samuel Montombo is. Uh, he is... I don't want to say he's the reason they, they won this game, but he's not not the reason they won this game. He's uh, the reason they didn't lose. Yeah. Samuel Montembeau is going to be potentially one of the best value contracts that the Canadian in the NHL uh, by next season. And I have no problem saying that. Uh, he came into this game with a 905 save percentage. They have not posted uh, this game quite yet. He had a 931 in that where he had or 935 when he made 46 saves against the Islanders. Uh, he was tonight 36 saves, two goals against, 949 save percentage. Underrated, potentially one of the more underrated goalies in the NHL here. I said this with Jake Allen, is that if Jake Allen can give the Canadians a few games where he puts up a 35 save performance, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, don't care. That ups his value. Montembeau is not going anywhere on a three-year deal. If he is, the return is probably going to be huge because that is a goaltender on an affordable deal with term who is entering his prime. Who's good. He's good. Like, that's the thing. There's no way around that. He's good. Exactly that. And he should be the one that they ride down the stretch. I still want to see Caden Primo play because they got to make a decision here. I want to see if Jake Allen can bounce back because if he can... You have more trade pieces going into the deadline. I know that's our next segment here, but it's Montembeau's net, and he was phenomenal tonight, not just with the routine stuff, but when things got bad, he's scrambling in the crease. The stick's out of his hand. Tom Wilson has knocked his helmet off. He doesn't have a stick, and he's making glove saves on Alexander Ovechkin. He looked so composed in there that... I have no problem turning the net over to him while we wait on Jakob Dobish, while we wait on Quentin Miller, while we wait on uh, Jacob Fowler there to see who's going to take that next step and then transitioning, you know, the roles there. And then Montevo becomes the backup and maybe the young guy gets the starting role there. He's going to decide a lot of games down the stretch. I know people are like, well, why can't he just let in one more goal? Goaltenders aren't wired that way. And I'll be damned if Samuel Montevo wants to be the one who lets a team down who believed in him and gave him, you know, his contract he has now. He's going to be, he's steering the ship, basically. If he has an off night, you're going to see ugly numbers. You're going to see a lot of ugly numbers up on the on the scoreboard, and we're going to have a very short show. Or some nights like tonight where we are just Samuel Montembeau is him. He is Samuel Godtembo, and he is that good at <laughs> hockey. I love it, Scott. Uh, all right. 
So we, it, the trade date deadline is coming up. One of the first pieces has fallen for the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to talk about who's next. And that's all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for, the, for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, just match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a match engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates much faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Honestly, like hiring is one of the hardest parts of having a team, being an employer. You really need the right people and it's hard to find. It's hard to search. So matching truly is the way to go. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. It's trade deadline season. I feel like every episode we're going to have to talk about who's about to get traded. Who is still left on the trading block? I know you spent a considerable amount of time talking about Jake Allen yesterday. Um, So... I'm just going to, I'm not going to like blow past that. I'm just going to say, you know, if he can get a couple games together, Scott, as you pointed out, he could still be a trade piece for the Canadians. Yeah. I, I cause I want to see what the schedule looks like. They have a back-to-back this upcoming weekend because it's Super Bowl weekend and they always play an early back-to-back. They have the stars on Saturday and the blues on Sunday. Are they on the road? Nope. These are both at the bell center at 1 PM. Oh, so. The back-to-backs are always at the bell center. The Super Bowl back-to-backs are always at the bell center. They have the Ducks on the 13th. They have the Rangers on the 15th, the Capitals again on the 17th, and then they have a couple of days off for the Sabres on the 21st. So in there, I can see Montembeau, Allen playing against his old team, Primo against the Ducks, Montembeau against the Rangers, maybe Allen against the Capitals there. And that should give them potentially a little bit closer to a an answer. They have a back-to-back on the 21st and 22nd. Because of course they do, and one of them has travel involved in it because of course it does. Uh, They, by the end of February, should have this goaltending thing kind of sorted out. If they don't, um, well, then you go with God and hope it works out for you, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, The biggest name, I think, coming up on the list for trading for the Canadians is probably Tanner Pearson, and I'm not expecting a ton just because he hasn't been super he productive. He's he's just guy. He's there. He might fetch like maybe someone, you know, get does the Dodonov thing and they get a like tweener prospect like Dennis Kurianov was or a tweener player. And you run with that and then you see in the offseason if you want to bring him back or not. And that's it. Uh, the name that keeps popping up, though, that insiders are saying they're not shopping but will listen to on uh, is David Savard. 
And I have no doubt in my mind that, yes, they like him and they like that he's a veteran leader on this team. If they are not even remotely shopping him a little bit, uh, I don't think Ken Hughes is doing his due diligence. But based on the Lekkonen trade, based on Monahan and everything else, I'm pretty sure that you know they're seeing what's out there. And if they get an offer they like, they're going to take it in a heartbeat. Because once Kent Hughes gets his price, he's going to take it. Do you think they're not shopping him or they're just saying they're not shopping him? I think they're just saying they're not shopping him. Just like I am not going to trade PK Subban and <laughs> I'm not actively shopping Arturi Lekkanen before other things happened. Uh, Ken Hughes isn't an idiot. Despite what even his biggest detractors might say, uh, he's not an idiot. And if someone's like, hey, I will give you a first round pick for David Savard, you know, maybe with a little salary retention because he has another year on his deal. I think Hughes is going to take that. I still think Savard is likely moving this offseason when he was down to one year left on his contract. But honestly, I I think, and I want to say it was uh, Ian Boisvert pointed this out, with Monaghan traded now, it really does feel like it's going to be a very quiet trade deadline now for the Canadians with maybe some picks for some AHL help or just some guy to help fill in the NHL roster a little bit to take the pressure off of Nick Suzuki. Like Nick Benino is a free agent as of tomorrow. I wouldn't be shocked if the Canadians are kicking tires to bring him in as not a great NHL center, but an actual, I think he's an NHL center anyways. If he's not, this is going to be really <laughs> embarrassing. No, he's an ice hockey center. Good. According to Google. So I'm right. Um, there's, there were names on waivers say that I think that I could see them at that. Axel Janssen, Fialbi. Probably an upgrade over Lucas Condotta. Bless Condos, soul. Why not? It's cheap. It's good depth. And you're not competing for anything at this point. Uh, but for the trade deadline, it all depends on how the goaltending thing shakes out. If Primo stakes his claim and like stakes, stakes his claim for that, you trade Allen. And if he doesn't, you kind of offer both up and see which one teams are going to bite on. Do they bite on the vet or do they bite on the younger guy with uh, a little bit more affordable contract? It's it's the only other big move, big being the key word that, that I can see coming for the Canadians. Pearson's not going to be a big one. Savard, I don't think it's going to be to the off season. And I don't think anyone's going to bite on Anderson or Amir right now. And I can't see another name on this roster that the Canadians are interested in potentially moving out before this season is over. So inevitably once a trade deadline comes and goes and there are no trades or there's only one trade or it's something minor, we're going to get comments that people are disappointed. And I want to ask you, Scott, honestly, truly, will you be disappointed if the Canadians are not active on this upcoming trade deadline? No, because the realistic view on it is Monaghan is gone. Anderson hasn't played super well. And they just don't have, unless they get a biter on a goalie, they didn't have that much to sell with unless they dip into that glut of defensemen. I can't see them moving Kovacevic right now because they like him. They just re-signed Jordan Harris. Maybe they bring, you know, maybe if there's buyers on that potentially because he's rotating with Jack Eye. But I think realistically, this offseason is going to be the biggest time. Another year off of Allen's contract, another year off of Savard's, off of Armia's, off of Anderson's, and the cap is going up. That potentially makes them a lot more intriguing in that if they don't do a ton at the trade deadline, I'm going to be, you know, maybe a little bored, 
but I'm not going to be brokenhearted about it. If they're quiet at the draft and at the start of free agency, then maybe I have my concerns because that's when I think the big noise is going to be made. Uh, I'm still interested to see what they do, though, because they clearly value the Rocket and they clearly value trying to surround some of their guys at the NHL level to make it through this season. So I'm intrigued to see what might be out there, especially if they're going to eat contracts coming back. Can they pull off another Monahan situation? Is there a team that wants to get rid of something to bring in somebody else? And, you know, Jeff Petrich, the Sean Monahan trade, getting Tanner Pearson in a trade for uh, with the Casey the Smith thing, helping someone clear cap and getting a ton of assets to do so. That's more what I'd be expecting than the Canadians actually going out and selling anybody themselves. And there you have it. And because Scott said that, maybe Kent Hughes will just trade everybody away and it'll be, I don't know, he doesn't seem like the guy who will just trade people just for the sake of it. He'll want a good situation for the Habs and a good situation for the player, which is something that's really important for when it comes time to trying to sign free agents in a couple of years. Kent Hughes, are you the kind of GM you want to play for um, or a player would want to play for? All right. All this to say, we will continue predicting what's going to happen on the trade deadline. We'll continue recapping these games. We'll continue um, loving Samuel Montembeau. And we will be back. As you know, we're here five days a week. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find us both on social media. I'm at The Active Stick. Scott is at Scott Matla. If you want to leave comments in the YouTube um videos uh you can if you want us to bring it up on friday for the friday mailbag please put mbq or mailbag question at the beginning uh you can also email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow